power of Christ we stand. It's only through Christ that all of this is possible. Amen? Amen. You may take your seats. Well, it is good to be here with all of you guys this morning. How's everybody doing? Amen. I smile every time I walk into this place. Um, not because it's a beautiful facility, which it really is, um, but I get to see all of you uh, and be with you guys, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's just something about that, just coming together uh, with one another, loving on one another, um, seeing one another. And we can actually, uh, when comfortable, uh, hug one another and uh, get what we have been missing for <laughs> the last two years, so it's good. And I, and I understand also that everything is not always kumbaya, right? Um, we are flesh and blood, and so we come into this place with our prejudices and our stereotypes um, that we've been. Uh, but when we walk in, God is working through us and in us, and uh, he's going to complete us, and he's going to take us to a place to where we, each individual, uh, will get better and better. Um, and work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as my brother prayed earlier. Secondly, I just want to say there has been so much going on um, over the last four weeks that I wanted to mention something that really speaks to why we are here, um, why this church exists, why churches throughout exist, um, and that is to see souls saved and to grow in our relationship with Christ. Um, so two weeks ago, two wonderful sisters have been coming to our church recently, gave their life to Christ after one of our services. So we're just going to give God praise for that. And we, uh, we prayed for them, and they're connected with one of you already and well on their way to new life in Christ. Uh, so we just thank God for that. I wanted to share that with you because sometimes we're so focused on everything but God's mission uh, that we lose sight of what really matters. Amen. And last, I just want to thank uh, all of you. Uh, we all want to thank you for all of your support of our leadership team as it changes, as it grows, as it, as it seeks God on what uh, he wants us to do next um, and, and as we move uh, his church forward on our knees. So I'm, comp I'm confident, perhaps more than ever before, uh, that where he leads, we will follow. Amen. No matter what it looks like. All right. Well, grab your Bibles. Uh, turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 16. Speaking of what really matters, starting today, we're going to go into a short series on worship. And I have entitled this series called Nobody Greater. We're going to spend the first two weeks in First Chronicles, and then we'll move into a second part in the weeks following that. So 2 Chronicles chapter 16, we're going to be reading from verses 8 through 35. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 8 through 35. I'll give you a second to find it. I know you don't hear a lot of preaching coming out of this book a lot. It says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, and tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. 
Look to the Lord in his strength and seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and his judgments that he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The promise he made for a thousand generations, that includes ours, The covenant he has made with Abraham, the oath he has swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another." He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. Do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that's in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing. Let them sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name in glory in your praise. Let's pray. God, you are here in this place, and we worship you. We depend on you in these moments, God. And God, we ask, Lord, that you just continue to go before us like you've done all morning, God, and lay the ground, God, for us to worship. Thank you for all that you are doing, and thank you for all that you have done, God. I pray, Father, that you take my lips and my words, and that those listening here and online would hear and they would do and they would apply. I pray, Father, that if there's anything, Lord, that you want me to say that I don't have in front of me, that you give it to me in the light of your spirit as you've done all week. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Home court advantage. Home court advantage occurs when the energy of the group magnifies what is happening on the court. 
With home court advantage, a basketball team struggling to make points on the board hears the energy around them, and suddenly an energy is felt and something is sparked within them. Suddenly, that energy enables the team to do better than before and push past the enemy's opposition. The fans in the stands are, aren't physically going through the same thing that the team is, uh, but they are joining them in spirit and in a way that gives them a sense of power they didn't have before. Uh, strength appears out of nowhere because of this mysterious thing called home court advantage. Many people ask, why do we need to come to church? Well, worshiping together sparks a view of God bigger than what situations that you may have in your life, anything that you may be going through. So what am I saying? You and I have home court advantage in this game of life with God. That home court advantage is called worship. Individually and collectively, there are benefits to worship. I'm not talking about worshiping God to get something. I'm talking about worshiping God to give him something so that he can get something. There's something about worshiping God so that he can get something. He wants our worship. There are many things that we want from God, but there's only one primary thing that he's looking for us and he's looking for our worships. Sisters, he wants your worship. Brothers, he wants your worship. He wants our worship. It comes in so many forms, but I want to just focus on two today. Um, what is worship and, and how do we do it? But before we do that, let me just sort of walk with me and let me give you some background on what we just read. The interesting thing about this book is, uh, this book we're in this morning, some of you may recall, is not a book about worship. Actually, it's a book about the Ark of the Covenant. It's a book about uh, the rich history of a community after an exile that the people were yearning to see again. It's a book about hope being brought to God's people who were struggling with despair and motivation and indifference to do anything after the exodus. However, found in this 16th chapter, we see 28 verses that I think are life-changing and rich if we apply it in our lives. First Chronicles is a book most scholars believe was written by Ezra and due to some similar styles of him, of his writings in uh, like 2 Samuel and, and 1 Kings. Uh, it was written 500 years after the reign of David, so long after David's uh, descendants had ruled over Israel. And the writer, however, wanted the people to remember David's lineage uh, so that they would remember that God had promised a future ruler would rise from the land or from that, from that uh, family line. But secondly, they knew that they wanted to tell Israel's story through a priest who would prepare the people for a future Messiah. So this story is centered around the Jews that came back from captivity. Here they are dealing with the hard truth that their church was nothing like it used to be. They reminisced about the glory days under David and Solomon and the great history. But at this point, they were tired, they were weak, they were vulnerable, and they knew this was a result of what they just had gone through. 
This was written so that they would know that God has been faithful in the past and God will continue to be faithful in the future. Have you seen that in your life? That he's just faithful over and over and over again? The writer, again, thought to be Ezra, um, wanted to remind people of what is important, and that is God, his presence, and our worship of him, our relationship with him. In this time period, uh, during the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle represented God's presence. So keep that in mind. It represented, uh, represented God's presence. This is why you see so much written about how they should carry it and not just allow anyone to touch it. So leading into these verses, David had just brought the ark uh, into Jerusalem. The ark was almost like a pop-up shop. Uh, I went to my first pop-up shop back in April. It's called Rogue, uh, and it's portable, right? So they pack up. They're there for maybe a few months. They pack up, and then they go to another location, and they and they uh, do it again. I just found this out. I was I was uh, hanging out with my daughter in uh, in Seattle, and she took me. So no, I don't shop there. If you're wondering, <laughs> if you know about that place, um, but it's a pop up shop, so it was moved. So it was like it represented the presence of God. So it was it was moving around. God had them design this ark when they were in the wilderness with Moses. You remember that? Um, it, Moses and, he, and Moses instructed them on how to build it and the time period, in that time period that Ezra is writing about. So if it represents God's presence, when, when you think about worship is in the story, in, this, in, our, in our story today, and also in your lives, what is being said here in, this, in these verses? As you read through that, did something spark within? What, was, there, was that home court advantage, did that spark within? I know that probably about the 10th time that I've read it, I'm still, you're hearing the words and you're, you're reading it. It's all about worship. There's something amazing when you just take your eyes off of yourself and off of your situation and off of people around you. Whether everything is going great or not, there's just something about when you just take your eyes off of there and you begin to focus on God, Right? Now we think as Christians, well, I, I do that every day. I know about you, I don't do that every day. I try to do that every day. But there's something special about that. So when you think about that, think about how worship, what worship is. It's not about feelings so much as in expressions. Don't get me wrong, emotion is a, is a major piece of what God has given us to express. But it's not all, all about feelings or experiences. It's really a matter of the heart, right? It's something that originates in the heart. It's that sincere expression that is steered by our love for God and our gratitude for everything that he's done for us. So how do we get to the point then where we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth, like John writes in in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24? It starts with the heart, and our hearts are developed through this book, through the word of God in worship. So worship in this chapter comes from a word, and again, I just want to give you some background, from a word that's translated worship, and it's also translated bow down. It's that, it's that outward bowing that reflects that inward submission, that inward um, uh, obedience to God. It, it's an attitude it's a, it's a posture. It's not always a physical posture, um, but it can be. 
Um, in fact, the church that I accepted Christ in, um, they had a tradition. Now, I didn't know it was a tradition at that time. To me, it was, it was more of something that I felt was beneficial to me. But most of the time when the, when leaders, the congregation, everybody came into the church, um, they would first come in and wherever they were going to sit, they knelt down, they got on their knees. And they just gave about 30 seconds of prayer unto God. So what it was, what it was is basically we came in, you knelt down. And the reason that you were kneeling down is because you were saying, Lord, I just came in from work. God, I just fought through traffic. I just pray that you be with me, clear my mind today. Or if you were in some type of doing some type of role, then you would say something along those lines though, God. But it was just, it was, a, it was this posture. Now it's not always about posture, right? There's some people who raise their hands, some people who don't raise their hands. It's worship because in their mind, they're speaking to God, in their hearts, they're speaking to God. You don't have to have both hands raised um, and be, you know, bouncing. And if that's what you do, then that's, that's, that's amazing, right? But if that's not what you do, then that's also amazing. So it's, it's, just, it's just preference of how you worship God, but it's, it's the heart. It's the heart. So worship in this chapter, again, comes from just sort of bowing down, bowing down, bowing down. The same goes for when we as individuals come before God and bow down before him. It ought to be any old way is my point. We don't come before him just, just any way, Right? So the first thing we see in verse 28, I'm actually going to skip to the end of our, um, our chapter, and then I'm going to go back to the beginning, and the next week we're going to be in the middle. So we're going to be a little bit um, over. But the first thing we see in verses 28 through 30 is worship is acknowledging to God that you know who he is. Acknowledging to God that you know who he is. He is the God of the universe. That we should worship him over all other gods and all other things. So as we go to that, as we look at verses 28 through 30, in these verses it tells us to ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord. Not sure what it says in the King James, but when you think about words like, why can't they use something, something simpler? But, but ascribe to the Lord. So basically what that's saying, it's a Latin prefix that has an, an A-D on the end, and basically it means to, to, to give in to something, right? It means to give towards. So you take those words and you give them towards something. We do this with our spouses and our children, right? And those that we love. You are an amazing mother, I love the way you are with our family. It, it, it's, it's, it's giving on to someone that you love and that you adore, affection. So if I ascribe something to God, I speak words that have to do with his character, right? Towards his character. So verse 28 says, describe to the Lord all the families of the nations. So this is for everybody. Ascribe to the Lord his glory and his strength. God, I thank you that I am weak and you are strong. There's an old song where the, the worship leader used to say, well, what do you know about Jesus? And then the congregation would say, he's all right, right? And they would say, all right, all right. No, all right, all right. But this verse is saying, no, he, he's more than all right. You are holy. 
You are good. You are high and lifted up. You are my strength. You are long-suffering. That's worship. So who is he to you? Who is he to you today? Tell him who he is. Even in this moment, just take a few seconds just to say who he is to you. If you have trouble thinking of anything, just say thank you. And what's in your heart will come out. Remember, it starts with the heart. So what's in your heart is going to come out. This passage, by the way, is, is uh, you'll see something echoed in Psalms 105, 106, and, and Psalms 92. Um, you'll see some of the exact same wording. So if you want to play with that and, and go home and, and read some of that. But in Psalms 105, it, it tells me to ascribe to God the glory due his name. Therefore, we're commanded to put the words of glory towards God. Right? It's parallel with verse 29, which reads, Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Worship requires something of us to give to God. So in our worship, we repent, right? In our worship, we take sins and habits and, and warped views of him, and we give those to him. We read his word that shows us who he really is so that it will correct our view, right? When you first come to Christ, you may come in, depending on your experience, not knowing what a heavenly father is. But thank God for the word of God that shows us exactly who he is. We give those back to him. Now, hear me clearly. We're not giving something to him that he doesn't already have, right? We're simply letting him know, acknowledging that there is nobody greater, nobody greater than him. Secondly, worship is singing his praises through telling what he has done. Singing his praises through telling what he has done. In verse 8, it says, make known among the, the nations what he has done. Make known among the nations what he has done. It's, it's, it's like singing this morning, like we all did together. Although I know that, the, that worship did not start when Selwyn kicked off the first song. For some, it started when you woke up this morning. Some, it started when you got in your car on the way here so nobody else could hear you. But we sing his praises and we tell someone about what we're singing or why we're singing to him. We share what believers and not yet believers. We tell everyone what God has done for you. What has he done? You can't think of anything? The mere fact that you're sitting in this room right now is a testimony of what he has done. Where did you sleep last night? Testimony of what he has done. When, the, when, when he delivers you from sickness and disease, you tell people. When he delivers you from sin or sinful habits, you tell people. Tell somebody. Verse 9 says, tell of all his wonderful acts. Those things he has done for you and those things he has done for everyone, right? For all of us, he's died. He rose again. So who in your life needs to know that? Who in your life needs to know that? You know, that's the, that's the great thing, and I haven't thought about this till just now. That's the great thing about not always just hanging around 
with believers. Of course we need that. Of course, iron sharpens iron. We have to do that. But isn't it neat just to hang, hang around with some people? I know there, there's some Christians who you don't want to hang out with anybody that doesn't know the Lord as if it's going to, you know, get on you, right? <laughs> as if it's going to get on you, right? Like, oh, we were all once there, right? And it, trust me, I've been around some folks and they have, they curse like a sailor and they talk about some vulgar things and I have some coworkers, some family members, some, some, some friends, people I call friends. It's okay, by the way, if, if you are under judgment, you don't think you can have friends that are not saved. But there's something special about that is because we can just tell them about what the Lord has done. I'm not talking about hammer them, but tell them about the Lord, what the Lord's done. And you may go out and, and hang out and be out for two hours, have lunch, and maybe go to a game or something like that. You know, that's good, but it should not be two hours of you just talking about the Lord. I'm not telling you hold back or anything like that. All I'm saying is, is let's just be normal. Be normal people, right? Let's just be normal when we're around people because they need to know about what God has done for you. But at the same time, there is a great way to enjoy a ball game and, and a meal together. The next one is worship is seeking God's face. Verse 11, you can read it. It says, look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. God is seeking those who worship. You guys remember Hezekiah? Now, Hezekiah, he, he talked about the works he did when he was talking to God and talked about, God, I, I did this over here. I, you know, I went to school over here. I did this, and here's my resume, and this is all the things I've done. And uh, I obeyed the law, and I was good to you, and, and this and that. And God's just listening. He's just listening. But in the end, did you know what he said? He, he began to worship God. He began to tell God things back to him. And it was his worship that God responded to. In those fifth, and then he gave him those 15 years. He would not have had if he just talked about what he did. And it's hard. Right? I'm not going to stand here and tell you it's, it's easy. You know, sometimes you, you can get in that space, but, but, but if we remember why we're here and what we're doing, right, just always reminding ourselves it's about him. So seek his face, whatever that looks like for you. Seek his face. Go after him. You know, have you ever been through a crowd um, I, one, one time, I don't even know where my clocks are at. Um, <laughs> do, do, do you ever, you ever, you ever been, to, been through a crowd where you just needed to get through the crowd? I, I remember one time we were at, um, at one of our um, old buildings and my, my daughter, it was my responsibility. I was serving that Sunday and it was my response. We had a guest speaker and it, we had like a, a, a men's conference that week and so we had um, the guest speaker speaking to the men, and she was with me. And right down the hall, I can luckily I could see her her mom serving in the children's ministry. And um, 
so she was with me the whole time and you know we were talking and and I'm sort of have her with me and she's bouncing around and we're we're excited and then uh it was time to take him to a place to where he could he could rest and and get something to eat or what have you but in my mind I was thinking I need to get him over there right and I didn't tell my daughter to come with me she was now don't get me wrong if anyone thinks I left like a 2 or 3 year old I'm not talking she was she was about 7 or 8 right and she and she knows the church well so anyways I began to as I it dawned on me I walked in and everyone started talking and he was talking and I just stopped and I was like oh and I turned around and I kid you not I sprinted throughout the back of the church and I stood running and I'm pushing through you know people trying to get to I'm trying to get to him I'm trying to get to her there she is still spinning, hang, hanging out. She knew that her mom was down the hall, and so she, was, she had went down there. Yeah, I know, not a great story, right? I left my kid on the other side of the... Um, but that's, that's the picture I want you to see, is that's how we ought to be when we're seeking his face, right? We, we ought to be going through the crowds, trying to get to him. We want to get to him and seek his face. All right. And, and the last one is worship is not a preference, Worship is not a preference. Worship is about giving. It's expressing our thanks to God, even when things aren't the way you think it should be, right? That's what I mean by preference. It's even when you, things are just not the way that you think they should be, or you don't have what you think you should have, or your song is not playing, right? Everyone is different. Every church is different. I, I took a class once, and they, and they told us, what we want you to do is we want you to go to a church that is not like yours, a church that you're not necessarily comfortable going to, and we want you to go to two of those, right? And I can't tell you some of the things that I saw right, going to some places, um, but it's, it, it's, it's not about preference, right? It's not about preference. I remember going to the one place I went, I'm worshiping next to a guy, and he's eating a donut, and he's just, you know... <laughs> Like this, and some, and I, I, who am I to judge? This is, this is God's church, right? So it's not necessarily about preference, but if I knew, if I understood why I was there, if I understood the reason that we come together, if, if I understood the reason that we come together, then I begin to understand that it's, that doesn't really necessarily matter in, in pale comparison that I'm here to worship God, right? He gives us preferences. Or I mean, we, I mean, we, give, we, we have the ability to go to wherever we want to go and, and do what's comfortable you know, for us or what have you. But there's something about just remembering why you're there. You're there to worship God. You're there to worship God. So worship is acknowledging to God that you know who he is. Worship is singing his praises through telling what he has done. Worship is seeking God's face. And worship is not about preference. We worship because he chose you. He chose us. He protects us. He values us. And so we turn around and we give our thanks and our praise to him. To God be the glory.
Thank you for the word, Pastor. Let's, as we just heard, let's, let's begin to worship him for one last time today. Here in the power of Christ, 
we stand. Amen. Amen. Before we rush, we don't want to be people that just rush out and just allow the Holy Spirit to just move in this place. As It was just a great word, Brother Jason. And uh, as it, it's why we exist is to worship him and to lift up his holy name. So if we all can bow our heads and maybe there was something that, that struck you in the message that, uh, that God is calling you to acknowledge him more through this week or maybe you're not acknowledging him at all and God is calling you and as Jason mentioned his, his daughter, seeking his daughter out and help us to have that, that zeal for God. Heavenly Father, we just are grateful, Father. We, we don't want to be a people that just, just go through the motions that we're just rushing out of here, God, that we just want to pause and just bow down and sit at your feet, Lord. And we want to acknowledge you, God, because you are the author and finisher of our faith, God. This is why we exist, is to give glory to your name. And Father, I pray over this congregation, God, that there might be something that just struck a chord with them, God. I pray um, for those that are not acknowledging you, God. I pray, Lord, that you're a God that wants us to, to acknowledge you, God, because you created us for a purpose. And God, I pray for those, Lord, that uh, are putting other things, that are worshiping other, other idols, God, other than the true God. You are the living God. And God, I pray over that, Lord. I pray over this, this house. God, we want to be a, a, a church that worships you in spirit and in truth. God, as we leave this place, Lord, we know we never leave your presence. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. You are sent.